If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 Today's guest is Nina Clark. Nina's an eventing specialist. She's a three-star competitor, trainer and coach and she's also just won the State Eventing Rider of the Year. How are you, Nina? Well, thanks, Glennis. It's good to hear from you, Nina. I just want to start off with your favourite quote, which could be something that you tell others, something that's inspired you and just is relevant to keeping you on your journey. My favourite quote is, the harder you work, the luckier you get. To me, it means that through all the difficult times when it feels like everything's going against you, that you just keep on working and compete in a pretty frustrating at times and a very difficult and expensive sport. And I think that to be able to keep doing it for a fairly long time, you need to keep just keep working hard and realise that it will turn around at some point. And most of my clients know that that's one of my favourite catchphrases. Okay. Is that a bird you've got in the background there? Oh, possibly. We've got, we're on a um, lovely property in Pinong North, but it does, uh, it, it's got plenty of wildlife. So I'm inside, but they still, there's still lots of cockies around. It's funny, you know, you you like horses, any people around horses, and they always sort of seem to have a dog joining in or, you know, there's other animals around. So we've just got a bird to keep us company or a few birds to keep us company on the interview. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and close the door, but I'm not oh, sure no. it'll help. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. We all know that, um, you know, plenty of wildlife around. Okay, Nina, um, just the harder you work, the luckier you get. I'm sure that someone told that to you at one stage or did you read it or you've talked about how it's inspired you, but when did you first come across that and if it changed the way you thought about things? I remember hearing it when I was probably about 17 and I'd had quite a bit of success as a young rider and I actually didn't realise how hard the sport was at that point. It was sort of the naivety around finding that you could pretty much go out and be successful every weekend and then it all changed when a horse that I'd been competing and won the Australian Young Rider Championships on was returned to his owner in an agreement that we'd always had and her daughter then ended up riding him and then it was producing young horses and it was really tough to get the breakthrough back again and it took a long time and it was lots of years of picking the wrong horses and still learning so much myself that it was I think I read it and then I just realised that it was, I was lucky to be doing a sport that I didn't have a really short time limit on and I could keep working and improving my skills and learning for probably the rest of my life if I keep doing it. And great that you've been able to be resilient and come back from having a special horse and go on and still do well on other horses. Nina, just thinking about, you know, starting with horses, what were your first memories there? I don't remember a time in my life without them. My mum was from a non-horse riding family but somehow developed the, what I call the genetic fault that she was obsessed. <laughs> and she, as a young teenager, sold manure in the sort of now what would be the suburbs of North Ball and 
she'd collect horse manure from people around the road and found herself the first horse at a market and has pursued riding herself until she had children and eventually retired herself. But um, she was lucky to get coaching when she was a young pony club member from a Swiss, a former Swiss Army coach by the name of Joe Stadelman. And so a lot of her knowledge was forged through being a sponge with him. And then she shared that with me. And I only remember having a pony from when I was very, very little and probably before memories, but photos remind you that you actually had one before your, strip, your legs could go below the saddle flat. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. You know, your mum coming from a non-riding family, which turned her into a rider, and then so you've come from a riding family. Lots of people come from non-riding families, riding families. I think, you know, that, that bug, sometimes it's genetic, sometimes it might skip a couple of generations, but you know fairly early if you want to ride. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got two brothers and neither of them seem to be that keen. They both had a bit of a ride, but I was the only one who pursued it as, with such passion. Okay, and then from riding, you know, and winning the Australian Young Rider Championships, did you then go on to become a professional or did you work in another job when you first left school? What happened there? No, I decided pretty early on that I thought working full-time in the industry was probably a really tough place to make a living and, and to be able to compete. So I studied initially physiotherapy and decided it wasn't a career that I wanted to pursue and then studied secondary teaching in phys ed and maths and then taught part-time predominantly throughout my first 10 years of teaching and absolutely loved it as a job and I've always worked a part-time job outside of the industry so I think it's kept me a little balanced about the when it is hard that I don't have to spend all my time focused in and around the horses and I get a little bit of space away to be able to be around people who don't realise what's going in in the equine side of my life. Mm, mm. So you sort of work part-time teaching, but you're also doing some coaching, so it's almost like you've got two part-time jobs. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So I've got a nice little client base and we work on – I also do quite a bit of the state squad coaching and really enjoy it and I like the balance of being able to have both parts. It keeps me energetic. It keeps me thinking about stuff and not just getting into a routine and keeps me stimulated, I guess, to be outside and keeping thinking about outside ideas and bringing my work into my riding coaching. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. What do you think are the core skills or character traits that people need to work in the horse industry, you know, part-time or full-time, you know, as a coach, as a rider, as a competitor, or lots of other occupations, I suppose, niches within the horse industry. What do you think they need to have before they start? Uh, Patience. Yep. Resilience. I think that they have to have good people skills. I think that particularly in the coaching area, it's it's hard work if you're committing every session that you work with with your clients and, and your pupils to be... 110% every time you go out on the arena. It's really tiring mentally. And um, I think that in any of the industries, it's good communication skills. So whether I'm working with my farrier or my vet, my equine dentist, all of those people are really important, but all of them have to be able to communicate well with me as a client and I have to as, as providing a service for people. Okay, good, good. And what about people who've influenced you you know you talked about your farrier your vet you know people that are important to you to your success anyone else that you think is important to your success or people that have 
even, um, you know, made changes where you've sort of changed your path a little bit because they've influenced you so much? Initially, when I was young, there was an old race horse trainer and breaker. He was a former jockey and I spent a lot of time hanging over his round yard when I was sort of early teenager and watching how he, whilst his discipline was different to what I was doing and what I was really interested in, watching him break in horses and the way he went around and dealt with them, which was in a very methodical and patient way. And he would, he smoked a lot, but he would spend a lot of time just waiting for the horses to switch on and learn what he was wanting them to do. And there was never a rush. And if a horse took an hour, it took an hour. If it took 15 minutes because it nailed everything, it took 15 minutes. And he was someone who I really respected and spent a lot of time just watching him be a horseman. And I think I was really lucky to have that influence. And then I've had amazing coaches. So I've been really lucky to have um, Roger East, who was a former event rider himself and turned into doing a fair bit of dressage. He's probably coached me for about 25 years. And in that time, I've also, you know, had Heath Ryan and we have specialist coaches come out. And, and always, every time I go to someone who I really respect, I get stuff that sort of refines me and changes me and makes me keep thinking about what I'm doing and not getting stuck into me being in my own space all of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good that you're saying amazing coaches because you can. You can learn a lot from a lot of different people. Now, what about horses that have influenced you? So very early on when I was probably about 10, I got a, a really amazing little horse that mum had seen when she was out judging one day and the girl had outgrown and he was um, only about 14 too and he really got me the bug for eventing. He was amazing and he took me up to sort of grade two pony club and then from then it was it was the only discipline that I really was so super passionate about while I loved doing other stuff. That was where I was sort of destined to go and then... In addition to that, I guess there was a a really amazing off-the-track thoroughbred I had who had not a lot of talent but had a heart of a lion and he ended up being a three-star horse that, you know, as a pre-novice horse or back in that day pre-novice horse, a 105 horse, he, you know, couldn't, he would be down the bottom of the dressage and he he was a worried, worried horse. He probably had been given a pretty hard time as a racehorse and he taught me just the most amazing amount of patience and a love of a horse that, only ever, ever tried his heart out for me. So it was then sort of being able to find those buttons that you could get with each horse of making them want to work for you rather than making things happen and just understanding their personality and what time it took to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. It's great as a 10-year-old to get a horse that's, you know, that sort of gets you going, gets you started with eventing and to give you that confidence because I think it's important when, you know, when you first start jumping and first start eventing and even first start riding, you've got to have a horse that you're confident in. So he obviously gave you a lot of confidence within the sport. Oh, absolutely. It was quite funny. I was just thinking about him the other day because I remember looking, going mum with mum to look at him and mum said to me I had to jump a 44-gallon drum with a rail on it if I was allowed to have him and I'd never jumped anything that big even though I probably tried on my poor pony. <laughs> and I just knew how much that I could trust him to do it He he and I'd fallen in love with him already. So he just, and remember thinking how he sailed over it and I could probably jump anything on him. And, yeah, it just absolutely gave me so much confidence. Mm-hmm. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Had lots of lots of things in it, and it's sort of different depending on what part of my sort of what hat I'm putting on, I guess. So, so seeing my pupils improve or get through difficult 
situations with horses. I'm always super proud and I'm really so proud when they have good results and all their hard work pays off. And for my own riding, I guess a few years ago at Melbourne three-day riding my current three-star horse, I was in the two-star and he he just did a, a cracking test and I remember getting a nine for my riding from Christoph Hess yep. and thinking, you know, I actually can do this. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't always happen, but, you know, like it was an amazing feeling to get that. And I always read my tests when I get them back. I think they're a really good learning tool. But, yeah, that one was pretty special. Yes, yes. And from one of the top judges in the world too, not from just a local one who's just learning how to judge. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, absolutely. Nina, I want you to think about your students and, you know, or even people that you see when you're out riding and competing And think about some common faults or common problems that they might have, and not just about the problems that they have, but how to fix it, you know, what you can teach. And this becomes a bit of a lesson too for the listeners, you know, because they can think about, do I have that problem and what can I learn from that? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is that people are getting good help. And when you don't know what you don't know, it's hard to distinguish what's good health and what's not good health and that takes a little bit of time to weed out and once you find someone you trust then continue to work with them and I think exposure to people outside not just having one person as your go-to person but some exposure outside of that is important but not coming away and changing everything that you do because I think people get confused if they don't stay consistent in their approach. Horses get confused if the riders don't stay consistent in their approach, right down from the way that you lead a horse up every day, the way you expect them to be when you're tacking them up, the way that you expect them to load on a float. And it's about being fair. And when a horse isn't doing what you want them to do, it's about understanding why they're not doing it and taking the time to think about how well you're explaining or not explaining what you're asking your horse to do. Oh, just let me interrupt you for a moment, just to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at Online Horse College. Have a look at the flexible options with online theory. The practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. So the consistency is not just with the riding and the handling and the feeding, it's the consistency with the training as well and giving the same aids for the same results. So if you want a particular result, you're giving the same aids for that same consistent result from the horse. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one year my brother said to me, I don't understand why you go up onto that arena and ride circles so often. And I said, it's not that I'm riding the the same circle all the time because everything is you're repeating exercises all the time to improve it. He just thought I'd trot around in circles endlessly. But it was, you know, that consistently training the same thing so that it becomes second nature to you and to your horse. And their confidence in you, if you can keep applying the aid consistently, is amazing. And once they start to realise that it's not going to be a surprise every time you do something with them. It's that ongoing quest, isn't it, to be able to ride an accurate 20-metre circle? Absolutely. It's <laughs> one of the hardest things to do. Just going to add that one of my other big things is that I see people on phones when they're working with their horses, mm-hmm. and not just when they're riding but when they're leading them up and when they're going in to feed them, and it's one of my pet hates because I think that we learn from our horses every time we're with them and every moment that we're with them, and it's like, I guess I don't have children, but it's the same sort of thing. The more time you're interacting with them 100%, I think you're learning the most from them and they're learning the most from you. 
Yes, yeah, I think so too, yep. Nina, have you got a book that you can recommend, you know, something that's complementary to writing, to training, to something, so that people can learn more and expand their ideas? Uh, I guess my favourite books are the ones that are my eventing idols that I've, you know, grown up watching on back-in-the-day videotapes or even at Gawler when we had the World Championships in South Australia and it's um, Mark Todd's book, the second his book, Second Chance. So I just really loved reading that and seeing what all that he went through and getting back out doing it at the age that he decided that he would make his comeback was just so inspiring to me and not to mention that he's one of the best horsemen in the world, in my opinion, and, um, yeah, he's always been an idol. So having that book is probably my favourite at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm sure it will inspire others, you know, if they can read that and hopefully learn the same sorts of things you've learnt. Nina, what are you looking forward to now? Besides winning the, the National Event Rider of the Year, what else are you looking forward to? I've got a team of young horses that I'm really excited to be going out with next season. Mm-hmm. So two off-the-track thoroughbreds that are really green and they'll be going out at the low, at low level, And but that's going to be a fun and exciting journey. Whether they go on to be three-star horses, I'm not sure, but I'm having a lot of fun bringing them on already. They've been out to their first little show-jumping show. And continuing seeing how my three-star horse goes, we didn't have the best run at Wallaby Hill and I'm looking forward to getting out next season and seeing if we can improve on that and doing lots of homework over the summer break for the competition, but no break for really all the training and, and work that we've got to do. Okay, that sounds good. Good to look forward to. Can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today for our listeners? It's respect. It's uh, respecting the horses and respecting my peers and and respecting the team that I work with to be able to do the sport I do and teach, respecting my students and I hope that's sort of reciprocated and that's what I work towards because um, I think if, if there's a mutual respect going on then we're getting the best out of everyone and learning the most from each other. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's something for everyone to be thinking about and um, you know, for everyone to put in as part of their philosophy would certainly make the world go round and go round in a better way. That's good. Nina, before we go, how can people contact you? Uh, Usually the easiest way is via Facebook these days. Okay. Um, um, Try to keep up with it all. (laughs) So I'm just on as Nina Clark on Facebook. No worries at all. And that contact details, we'll put that link in horsechats.com slash Nina Clark as well. All right, Nina, thanks very much for talking to us today. It's been good talking to you. We've got some good tips from you there and um, nice to hear that things are going well for you as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Gwyneth. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.